Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? Before you start skipping ahead, I should tell you, the next round of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups launches on Monday, October 14th. If you're interested in joining, go to ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups or email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. That way, you can sign up for a free information session where I'll tell you all about how the groups work, and you can decide if it's right for you. Registration closes on Friday, October 4th. That link, of course, will be in the show notes. Also, you may be shocked by this, but I have to throw another big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon, because he did the heavy lifting on this episode. You can learn more about him and his work at idealvideostrategies.com. Coming up on Tuesday, September 10th, you can join Eric Tivers and I as we do our monthly Q&A for his ADHD Rewired podcast. Not only is his podcast amazing, but the Q&As are incredibly helpful. So, please bring your cues, because we can't answer them if you don't bring them. Sign up at ADHDrewired.com events. That's ADHDrewired.com events. The best way to support this show is by sharing it with others, online or in person. Please help me get the word out. Another great way is to provide a five-star rating and review in iTunes. I greatly appreciate your support. Welcome to ADHD Essentials. Today, we're talking to Amy Leone. Amy is a mental health clinician who specializes in adolescent and young adults with dual diagnoses including substance abuse and behavioral or trauma-related symptoms. I first met Amy when I joined her Juvenile Advocacy Group, a group she created to address the effects of the opioid epidemic in Milford, Massachusetts, which has become a model for many of the towns throughout Massachusetts and is well on its way to becoming the model for the state as a whole. She's one of the most caring and driven people I know, and it is an absolute honor to call her my friend. In today's episode... Amy talks to us about vaping, what it is, why it's so hard to catch, its connection with marijuana use, steps we can take to keep our kids from starting to do it, and the fact that it might just be a signal of the need we have for stress reduction and mental health supports for both kids and their parents. A quick disclaimer, this week's episode, as I said, is about vaping. It touches on addiction and the kinds of behaviors that might signal addiction. I don't want to panic anyone. If your kid engages in one or two of these behaviors, that doesn't mean they're vaping or engaging in addictive behaviors. Sometimes, our kids becoming more secretive, for example, is a perfectly healthy, developmentally appropriate way of them seeking independence and setting boundaries. That said, the more of these behaviors you see, the more concerned you may need to be. You can learn more about addiction and what to do if your kid might be vaping or using other drugs or similar substances as well as the signs of those things, at www.drugabuse.gov and www.drugfree.org. 
Those links, of course, will be in the show notes. All right, let's get rolling. I am a licensed mental health clinician that I own Community Impact and I work with teenagers and adolescents, families, all that are struggling with addiction or any other normal adolescent issue. And one of those normal adolescent issues that you help folks navigate is vaping. Yes. So let's start with just what is vaping? Right now it's a trend and it is so easy for kids to hide. Um, Vaping is, you know, most people think of it as like the jewel and they're odorless. Um, So when the kids are doing them in their bedrooms or wherever they are, you're not able to detect the smell. And they're really marketing aggressively for the kids, for the teenagers. And they have many flavors or high concentrations of um, nicotine. And now one of the other things is marijuana too is inside of them. So we'll circle back to that one in a a few minutes. But how, I guess, how are they marketing these to kids? What's the strategy there? It's a lot of the the flavoring, you know, kind of like in the past when they had like Joe Camel, and then they had like the menthol cigarettes and things like that. Now, you know, some of the vape can be smells like con- or it can be tasting like cotton candy, or it can be you know different flavors, um, blueberry or something. So they're kind of trying to appeal to the kids. And you mentioned Joe Camel. Vaping is not smoking, right? It's it's different but similar. Right. How do they compare? So basically this is, you know, like where they say like e-cigarettes or like the vape pens, it's inhaling like a liquid flavoring, which often contains like nicotine. It's not smoking a cigarette, doesn't have all of the other chemicals that a cigarette has, but it's a liquid concentrate that they're inhaling that even now with all, you know, the research hasn't really shown us what happens to these kids as a long-term effect. And is that just because vaping hasn't existed long enough to have long-term studies? From the research that I've done, yeah, it's definitely that, that there just hasn't been enough research done. There is research that shows that, you know, they can have what they call like popcorn lungs, where it forms things of popcorn in their lungs and they can like stop breathing. So popcorn lung is, there's still damage being done to the lungs. It's not just the same kind of damage that smoking does. Exactly. It's more of like a suffocation where it'll start to produce popcorn lung and then kids will start to suffocate. And they've seen some cases of that, but I just don't know if it's as, you know, they have as enough research to prove that that's what it's doing. Okay. Because I know for a while, the, the idea behind vaping was that it was a safer alternative to smoking. And it was, if I remember correctly, it started being marketed as a way to quit smoking. Right. With like, because some of the concentrates in the vaping don't have nicotine. But when you look at the Juul, which is like that vaping pen now that they have, that has a lot of nicotine. Originally, like the vaping devices had no nicotine in them trying to, or a very low concentrate that were trying to help people quit smoking. Like everything, it just kind of goes into something new that the kids can do without their parents finding out. And that jewel thing, that, that jewel word is one that I've heard all over the place. What is that exactly? What, how does jeweling differ from vaping? Well, so jewel has um, the nicotine inside of it and has high concentrates of nicotine. And, you know, it's very easy to hide. I mean, it's charged like you can charge it from your USB port on your computer. 
Um, it's very thin. It almost looks like a thumb drive sometimes, you know, a little bit longer than a thumb drive. But, you know, that's the thing that gets the kids in trouble because, or parents need to know what they look like, how much nicotine is in them. And, you know, like, of course, you're not supposed to be able to buy it until you're 18, but a lot of kids will buy it and then sell it. You know, they'll have somebody older buy it and sell it for 15 bucks rather than the 50 bucks. But when you talk to a lot of kids that have been vaping and ask them, you know, about the day, you know, I'll usually go through with them, you know, when you're sitting in class, you're thinking about how long do I have to sit in this class before I can go to the bathroom to vape? And that's all they're consumed with. It's almost like that mental obsession of any addiction is to get into the bathroom and vape and they get kind of like a head rush and then go back to class. And, and it is, they're able to do it in the middle of school. You know, if, you know, now I think there's more monitoring going on, you know, they have like smokeless, the vaping detectors in the bathrooms in some schools, bathroom, you know, doors are kept open, all of that stuff. But you know, when you really think about the mental obsession of what they're going through when they're trying, you know, when they are addicted to the vaping, they spend a lot of time just thinking and planning about when and where they're going to do it. And we know that ADHD and addiction go hand in hand. Folks with ADHD are just at a higher risk for addiction. So the parents listening to this podcast want to be aware of this potential addiction that's out there for their kids to be affected by. And they also want to know about how that addiction is playing out. You've already mentioned that sort of obsessive thinking and planning about how am I going to go to the bathroom and and be able to vape? What else might be indicative of a, a kid who's got an addiction to vaping? I mean, I think it's also their anxiety. You know, it seems like it's kind of the trend of where it's a dangerous one, but where you start to look at, you know, NIDA did a survey and they had said that it estimates that 3 million youth are vaping and 30 to 40% of them are vaping marijuana. So now you have a kid who has anxiety or who is struggling to fit in or just not knowing who they are. Now they're able to start with vaping and then follow that, you know, the trend to then start using marijuana to try to numb whatever emotional stuff they have going on. What is NIDA? The National Institute of Drug Administration. And circling back to that numbing strategy, right? That sort of self-medication of the anxiety, of the, of, of the emotion, whatever emotional turmoil the kids might be experiencing. That makes it sound like if we are concerned that our kid is, is vaping or is using marijuana or is having some addictive behavior, there's stuff that's underlying that that we want to be addressing. Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. I mean, when I always think about somebody, when somebody's referred to me for, you know, a kid gets suspended from school and the parents refer them here, you know, to deal with their suspension because of vaping, my number one thing that I'm looking for is what is the problem? where I see vaping as the solution or the marijuana use or alcohol use, whatever it may be, is a solution to their underlying problem. And so we're really looking at what else is going on. How are they doing socially, academically? What's their family life like? What's their social life, sports, all of that to figure out what is really going on with them. 
So I'm confident that you just reframed things in a pretty significant way for the parents who are listening, because you just said that the problem of vaping, the problem of alcohol use, the problem of marijuana use is not actually the problem. It's the solution to a different problem. It's just, and that's what we mean when we say self-medicating, right? We need their, we mean they're trying to solve a problem. So if your kid is engaging in behavior that looks like addiction or is risky with regard to substance use, that's them trying to solve a different problem and, and just choosing an unhealthy strategy. Am I understanding this correctly? Exactly. It's, I mean, and it's them fi finding an unhealthy strategy that is easily accessible to them. And that's, you know, they're doing, they're just trying to escape. They're trying to find that solution to deal with everything else. What are some of the common problems that you see kids trying to solve with vaping or marijuana use or, or whatever the case may be? I mean, I see a lot. I mean, I would say that it varies case by case, but for the majority of kids, you know, there's a huge sense of perfectionism, you know, where they feel like they have to be the best of the best and everybody's in competition and they have to get straight A's or it's that other one, you know, like I would say it's mostly self-esteem, self-confidence, um, a lot of their social situations either don't have, you know, they don't have that good best friend. The kids aren't going outside and playing with the neighbors anymore and, you know, forming the relationships that they have had since kindergarten. But, you know, so it's, I would say the long and the short is social issues and self-esteem, self-confidence and their sense of perfectionism. Okay, cool. So for parents, if we want to avoid vaping or get our kids to take a few steps back from it, we want to look at isolation, potentially social isolation, either because they're just not engaged socially in, in a way that is useful. Um, and also potentially the pressure to perform and be successful when you're really so young that there, there's no scenario where you can be successful yet. Like you're 18 and younger, you're not really doing things that are going to change the world or have a huge impact on even your own life yet. So we should reduce some of that pressure. And I think it's also, you know, you look at the kids now and they have such an obsessive person, you know, they have so, such obsessions, you know, where it starts with their, the iPad when they're a baby, you know, like, and then it goes on to the video games and then it goes on to the cell phone and the social media and check, you know, so they're always obsessing about something. So I think when you see them, you know, we say like the isolation where they're in their bedroom and we think that they're not coming out, but it's also, are they isolating by just obsessing about the phone and the social aspect of it or playing video games and, you know, not able to really get out of that. That's their escape too, you know, is also video games. So some of this is we want our, just our kids to get out of the house, it sounds like. And to talk to them talk to our kids because, you know, so many people say, you know, I always ask parents, like, do you guys eat dinner together? And, you know, I know I have kids and I know how hard it is when sports are going on to actually sit at the table. But when you make a conscious effort to make sure that you're doing that a few nights a week and you're checking in with your kids or, you know, you don't put the 
let them put the earbuds on when they're in the back seat and you're driving somewhere because they don't want to talk to you. But that's your opportunity to really communicate with them what's happening with them, what's happening in the world. And, you know, just having a casual conversation or playing, you know, as you're driving, playing the license plate game, like whatever it may be, you know, but just communicating with your kids. And that's the most important part. As soon as you start to notice them shifting, having that conversation, even if it is them being a teenage boy and wanting to be in their bedroom just because they're 15, but it's still making sure that you're talking to them and you know what's going on. That license plate game is a really good example because playing games like that in the car is how you get your kids to talk. It's not about the license plates game. It's about now they're talking to you and now they're telling you about what happened at school or they're telling you about their friend who's bugging them or their friend who's amazing and they wish they were more like that kid. That's why you play the game. And you've got to let that conversation happen when it happens. And if it starts to get a lull, go back to the license plate game, but don't force the license plate game because you're playing that and you shouldn't let them talk. And, and the idea of the kids hiding in their room, right? That's another thing where I talk to, to my parents that I work with about having a launching pad for the backpack that's outside near whatever door you leave, front door, back door, garage, doesn't matter. And one of the reasons I talk about how important it is to have that backpack at the launching pad near the door, and particularly if you can start that early, like in elementary school. But one reason to do that is because if all of a sudden that backpack disappears and goes into the bedroom, it doesn't mean anything bad is happening, but it is another data point. Well, yeah, as a parent, you're screaming about the backpack and everything being dropped at the door. And then the one day that it's not there, you wonder why what's in the backpack. Everything's in that backpack. I mean, we've all gone through it and there's papers from September and June that are still in there, but so are the things that they don't want us to see. And we just have to, as parents, monitor the backpack a little more effectively. It's even laundry. You know, as your kid gets older, they don't bring their laundry down. And you know, what, what's in there, what do they forget to take out of their pants pockets? Typically boys don't remember to empty their pockets. There's tissues, there's wrappers, but there's also, when you look, you know, there's those jewel pods, like the little cases, the green top of them or whatever. You find it in their pockets. You find it, you know, you just find things all the time. Why isn't the laundry coming down anymore? Does it smell? And that's why they don't, you know, like, is it smell like marijuana or whatever? And they don't want you to find out about it. You know, it's just little things that are a change that you know, you just have to be more aware of in our everyday fast-paced life. Just becoming more mindful of everything and the small changes that are happening within with our kids. Do you know why vaping has suddenly become such a trend? You mentioned that it's a trend. Like, how come? It's a new thing for the kids to do. And I think it's definitely because it's easy to get away with. Because it's odorless, parents aren't smelling it. You know, if in the past, if a kid was smoking a cigarette out their bedroom window, naturally the parents were going to smell it. It was going to come and they were, you know, they were going to smell it in the house. If you're smoking marijuana in the house, the parent, you're going to get caught eventually, maybe not the first time, but after you are. This is a situation where it doesn't smell. So they're not going to get caught. You can smoke weed in your bed, you know, dab in your bedroom or vape in your bedroom while you're watching 
binging on Netflix. And if your door's shut or not, nobody's going to know unless they're standing in front of you. You've mentioned a few times that there, there's marijuana in, in the vaping pens as well. And am I understanding correctly that that's called dabbing? Yeah. So, I mean, you'd think that it's like one of those new dance moves, you know, like the kids do. But, you know, this is in the past, dabbing was like a really, it was a process to actually dab. And so now, you know, it refers to like vaping marijuana by like heating up the cannabis, the concentrating cannabis oil, which is called like a butane hash oil. And they have nicknames where it's like called earwax or butter or something like that. And it's now going, you used to have to do it, you know, with a bong and, you know, all of this stuff. But now it's administered by the dab pens, just like e-cigarettes, where it's not smelling, it's odorless, but the concentrate is so high. Is that a higher, a greater risk, I'm assuming, because the concentration is so high? Yeah. So basically what happens is the concentration of the vape of the dabbing is extremely high. And in the past, you would have to have this whole production. So like there would be where you would have to use like heat it up and this and that. But now where the vaping pen basically heats itself up, you can use that to do the dabbing. So it's easier to have this higher concentration of marijuana. In the past, it was like there was a lot of concern because the extract of the THC that comes from that cannabis plant is also involving like the highly flammable butane because it's like a butane oil. So that was like the whole thing that was, you know, when dabbing first came out, it was, it was kind of concerning because it contained butane oil. Okay. But now that's not the case. Now it's just highly concentrated marijuana oil in an e-cigarette, basically. Exactly. So basically kids are being exposed to significant levels of THC when they start using marijuana through the vaping pens. And one of the things that we know is that marijuana use, particularly for kids, as their brain develops, has a significant impact on the development of the brain. And certainly we also know that it worsens ADHD symptoms. It's sort of a a lot of people, adults and kids who have ADHD and anxiety, will use marijuana to sort of self-medicate, but the long-term effect is that the ADHD is worse. They're not remembering things as well. They're, they're not initiating tasks as easily. And so it, it's making it long-term worse for a short-term seeming benefit, except that it's not really that much of a benefit. So I'm assuming that one of the risks of the dabbing is that we're actually exacerbating that process because the THC is so much more concentrated. And what does that lead to later on? You know, I always think of like when I talk to many people that have to do with addiction and you talk about, you know, how has, you know, where did it all start? And it seems like marijuana has always been, people call it like the gateway drug, but I've always called it kind of the bridge drug because you continue to use marijuana as you start to experience with other things. It just bridges you to the next level, whether that's with hallucinogens or it's with cocaine or alcohol, you know, whatever it may be, but it's, it never leaves because even kids with ADHD, they'll say, I get my homework done when I'm high, or I drive better when I'm high or, you know, like whatever it may be, they always think that there's this positive benefit of it. And I think, Nowadays, you know, with it being legalized and all the different forms that it can take, you know, that you can use it in, 
it's confusing for these kids. Yeah, I, I would imagine. And and especially because especially because marijuana in particular is probably doing some work to treat that anxiety. It's helping kids navigate the anxious thoughts a little more easily. So they might actually have an easier time doing their homework because they get past those anxious thoughts, that wall of awful. And they might think they drive better while high. They may or may not. It might just be I'm less anxious when I drive, which might mean they drive more effectively or might mean they're just not feeling the anxiety and think they're driving better. But again, that this all speaks to what you were saying earlier where the marijuana use, the vaping is not the problem, it's the solution to the problem. So we have to come up with a new strategy to address the things that the kid is trying to solve with that marijuana use. Right. One of the things that fascinates me about the vaping is is exactly what you mentioned earlier, where there's no smell to it. Is that also true for the marijuana dabs? Yeah, there's no smell to it. That's where a lot of things, you know, kids will do it in school. You know, they're getting better at detecting it, kind of testing to see if their vape pens have THC in it, or is it just nicotine concentrate, you know? And you can tell by the difference... Usually, if you look at like a jewel concentrate of a nicotine concentrate, it and you flip it upside down, it will move. You know, it'll it's like a liquid, where the marijuana will be more of a thick substance within it. It won't, you know, move around as much. So you can tell the difference. You know, if you're really looking at, if you know what you're looking for, and there are ways to test the concentrate, whether it's nicotine or it's THC, in regards to like schools. You know, is it a tobacco suspension or is it actually a drug suspension so you know that's something that the schools are now having to deal with more as well circling back to the that word jewel really quick because that's come up a few times how is a jewel different from vaping is it is it just a brand name is it something it's that's unique what does that look like it's just the branding where everybody calls it the jewel and then they have the vaping which they have like so if you've seen a jewel, it's like a, a thin, small kind of looks like a USB, like I had said before, where some of these other vaping devices are like contraptions, you know, like they have the vape juice that goes in them and they are bigger devices. So there are two different things. Most people know the jewel. And especially when you walk into Cumberland Farms or whatever, it's right there in front of you. So an e-cigarette a vaping device and a jewel are all doing the same thing. They just look different. And the jewel is sounds like it's the one that's the easiest to hide if you're a kid. Right. Okay. We have a family friend and their their daughter doesn't even go to the bathroom at school anymore because there's so many kids in there vaping or jeweling or dabbing or whatever they chose to do at the moment. And so she just won't. She just doesn't go to the bathroom all day. So it's affecting even kids who don't do it because it's becoming so overwhelming. Well, and it's even, you know, I always say like at the end of the school year when the teachers kind of are all checked out and it's movie time, you know, and the lights are off in the back of the classroom, the teachers doing their work in the front or doing whatever they need to do. I was talking to a bunch of kids, you know, the kids are jeweling in the back of the classroom or inside of their you know, they're vaping inside of their sweatshirts and, you know, all this stuff so that, and nobody's knowing, but they're sitting there right in the classroom and doing it. So it's like, you know, no matter what, 
the kids are always one step ahead of us. So we have to kind of be two steps ahead of them, you know, and thinking about what the next thing is. I know I found, I forget how I came across it, but I, I at some point saw it probably on the internet. It was a sweatshirt and like the drawstring for the hood was for vaping. Like it was somehow connected inside the sweatshirt and you've, it looks like you're chewing on the drawstring when you're really vaping. It's amazing to me the lengths people are going to to make this stuff secret. And that, in that case, you're totally catering to kids. That's exactly what that's aiming at is the kid in high school who wants to vape and can't. Right. Are there any statistics around this stuff that we should be aware of in, in terms of numbers of kids using it or, or how it's impacting them or anything like that? The Metro West Healthcare Foundation, they do their trend data like for the Metro West region every every two years. So we have a lot of trend data, which is you know awesome because we can see how things have changed since 2006. And this is Metro West Massachusetts. Yes, sorry, the Metro West um, Health Foundation in Massachusetts. They were in 2018, their survey found that 41%, which was two out of five high school students, reported having ever used vaping, you know, electronic cigarette or vaping device. And that had increased by 13% since 2016. 28% of them saying that they've used it in the last 30 days. By contrast, only 3% of the students reported smoking a conventional cigarette in the last 30 days where 28% of them were smoking e-cigarettes in the last 30 days. So this is really consistent with like the national trends. It's just concerning, like I said before, about you know the dangers of the high doses of nicotine and other harmful effects like the marijuana of the chemicals in the vaping products, because you know, we don't know what else is gonna happen you know, based on the chemicals that are there. Yeah, because it's a new technology. We don't have people who grew up vaping yet because this stuff is just starting. And where you look at, you know, these risk factors, you know, to really paint a picture of it where this is increasing, but the teenage alcohol use since 2016 or 2006 has really declined. You know, they're realizing that that's not the right thing to do or drinking and driving is down or smoking cigarettes is down. You know, so that's something where we're seeing the trend of the e-cigarettes and the marijuana are really increasing right now, as well as you look at, when I look at these statistics and for the districts that I work with, I look at, you know, what are the, the substances that they're using, but I go straight to what are they saying? They also ask about stress level. So I look at what is the problem? Students are saying that they're you know, they're very stressed, whether it's academics, home, things like that, you know, and then I look at what, what else are they doing? How is their attachment to people within the school, within, you know, their family, outside of school? Are they involved in things? So where is the part, what is the problem that we really need to address as a community and, you know, to help these kids versus just looking at how do we decrease their use of vaping? Those sort of like, social connection, anxiety and stress management tools, problem solving skills. It sounds like that's the stuff we want to attack instead of attacking the vaping. You know, you really think about it and it's just alarming that there's so many teenagers that are reporting that they're experiencing stress 
you know, it's continuously increasing, you know, especially among girls. We look at, you know, you read some of the things and you see how much, you know, kids are self-harming or thinking about suicide, you know, so it really points you to, to the efforts that, you know, we need to continue to implement some of this stress reduction and mental health support for parents and kids, you know, and hopefully that will start to reduce the substance use or whatever it is that they're using as a solution to all of these underlying problems that they have. Just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with the audience? I think if anybody hears this and they have more questions or they feel like they need some more assistance or education, I mean, our website is communityimpactinc.com. And we're also on Facebook and, you know, they can reach out to me at any time to, you know, get some assistance or have any questions. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.